This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Welcome to Bears Over Beers. I'm Jeff Burkett, a writer for Winnie City Gridiron, and I'm joined, as always, by EJ Snyder. EJ, it's Thanksgiving week, my favorite holiday of the year. Not quite sure why this year, given what we're going to have to be subjected to around 11.30 in the morning, Central Time, 9.30 your time. But um, are you excited for Thanksgiving? I'm excited for the holiday. Uh, The particular Uh brand of Bears football we may see on said holiday possibly a little bit less exciting but that's okay uh it's not going to diminish my love of the holiday i also love thanksgiving so i'm looking forward to it we got uh got a little time away from work got some good food coming up hopefully and you know i think we gave the fans a little map a couple of weeks ago about how to enjoy bears football from this point out which is uh selectively like if it's turning your stomach and you have dinner later in the day Turn it off. Or if you're having lunch with your in-laws and you don't want to have to take the verbal abuse of of hearing how bad the bears are, maybe just go into the garage and grab another slice of pie. You know, who knows? But we'll we'll get into the game in a little bit, but let's start off with beers. What did you bring on today? Oh, I have uh, something that my lovely wife got me from uh, McMenamins, which I know you're familiar with, um, an Oregon uh, conglomerate that buys old historic properties and turns them into really cool pubs. Um, And this is a Crowler, which is the coolest thing ever. Um, It's halfway between a can and a growler, and they bottle them on site. This is their Scotch Ale. 6.3 6.3 by volume uh so it's got a little bit of a kick to it it's a nice winter beer a uh, little bit sweeter than some scotches but still has that bite um nice good head when you pour it beautiful dark brown color uh and it will help me forget a little bit about how poorly the bears played what did you bring on well i was gonna bring on a michigan beer but i i saw that i still had this and i'm excited so this is definitely a jb beer and it feels very Thanksgiving-y. So this is the Great Blackstack Bake Off. It's from Blackstack Brewing. And it is a pineapple upside-down cake. Uh, <laughs> caramelized pineapple, cherry, uh, maraschino cherry juice, brown sugar, Madagascar vanilla, and milk sugar. Like, I mean, if... What are just, you doing? It, it just <laughs> sounds delicious. It sounds Thanksgiving-y. I it's, just, like, I'm so excited for this one. It's just... It, it sounds calling like my name. Pie in a can is right. what it sounds like. Right. Uh, no, I, I'll i give a little teaser. I have AJB beer um, coming up, and I've Uh-oh. previewed it, uh, and it is it is something else. But it is not anything like that. That is That is one of a kind, so... Well, I brought on that pineapple beer a little while ago, and it was really good. I really liked it. It was kind of like a just like a cake. Uh, it had like white cake in it, mixing it and stuff like that. So anyway, I saw this on the shelf. I was like, oh, I got to try this here too. So 
uh, you know, I got, a, I got a reputation I have to maintain. You do. And, you know, as long as it's all good, because far be it from me to tell anybody how to beer or how to enjoy their food, their steak, their coffee, or to fan. I've had that interaction um, quite a few times over the last couple of weeks, uh, not only with Bears fans, but um, I view games at Buffalo Wild Wings occasionally when I want to see all the games, because despite being a semi-successful, semi-pro podcaster, I do not have screens and games for, you know, screens enough for all the games. So I'll, I'll go, and it's cool, because you get to see a mix of fans, and you get to see people that fan in all different ways. There are the quiet types that just watch and eat and leave. There are the people that kind of cheer or fist bump when their team does something cool. And then there are the people that absolutely lose their shit in public and bounce around and do crazy stuff. I don't really care. Like, I'm just like, whatever, man. Like, it's your it's your gig. Like, you get to interact with your football team however you so choose. And that's not my business. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if anything, I think I've grown to the fact that I just kind of do me, right? Like, I, I might be the guy that goes to the bar if I, I have to because the Bears aren't on. Mm-hmm. And I just kind of sit in the corner and I'm pretty quiet. I might fist pump to myself, right? But if it's like a real emotional game and like things are going, I'm, I'm going to probably kind of migrate towards those Bears fans that have been a little bit, you know, rowdy at the end of the bar. I'm going to give them a high five and stuff. But for the most part, I'm kind of just like off on the corner of my own, just trying to take the game in, just trying to concentrate because I, I just don't want to get distracted by all the other stuff that happens around the bar. Yeah, I like to take in the other stuff as well. I didn't originally. Before, I was very much like you. A couple of years ago, if I would go and watch in a bar, I would sit away from people. Uh, If there were multiple screens, I just wanted to kind of be close and see the bear screen. Um, As I've, you know, grown in my football watching and and talking about the rest of the league, I I do, like, take the ads now and, you know, look at what else is going on. I took a good three or four minutes yesterday and watched the Colts run game, which, (laughs) if you're not familiar with it, is just a thing of beauty right now. And then I can flip back to the Bears when they come back from a commercial break or whatever. I've, I've expanded. I can catch, like, three or four screens now out of the however many there are, 12 or 15 around the place, but... Um, yeah, I think everybody has their own way. And I'm, I'm just to the point where I'm like, Hey, if you're enjoying it and you're coming out and you're supporting it and it's something that, that gives value to your life, like do it the way you want to do it. Yeah. And if you're still sticking with us here after the bears fell to whatever they are, what now three and seven or whatever it is, three and six, you know, you have to find things that you're excited about. You have to start to look at this schedule and say, what am I looking for, right? And we're staring at a Thanksgiving game against the Lions. I kind of like this tradition that the Bears are starting to play the Lions more frequently on Thanksgiving. It's kind of fun. And the Lions are 0-9-1, right? Like they haven't won a game. They tied the Steelers. They, you know, they, they just couldn't pull out the victory there. They have been close in a bunch of games. And so this really sets up as kind of a dangerous game in my mind except for the fact that they are starting a quarterback that I did not know was a human person before last week. And so what do you know about these Lions, and what are you kind of interested in on Thursday? I'm interested in hoping that it is a somewhat watchable football game. And I can say that with a little bit of freedom, even as a Bears fan, because there's no really terrible outcome for this game. 
Andy Dalton is starting for the Bears, and the thing that most Bears fans are looking forward to, if they're still looking at the season at all, after the Bears' performance so far, is how does Justin Fields mature? How does he develop? Um, how does he begin to build as the future quarterback of the Bears? Well, he took a shot in the last game. He's got a rib injury. They're not ruling out broken ribs. They're banged up ribs. You know, officially listed as bruised ribs right now. Bottom line is they're not going to play him on a short week versus the Lions. So the thing that most Bears fans are looking forward to is not going to be there. We're going to get Andy Dalton ball. Uh, we know pretty much what that is. Andy Dalton is a known commodity, a known known. Uh, the rest of the offense has not looked tremendous. So I'm just hoping this isn't an overall trash fire with lots of runs into crowded boxes and just so many miscues. And I know I'm probably hoping against hope there because the Bears have been uh, a team full of miscues, uh, coaching errors, execution errors, uh, bad calls in bad places. They've just found a way to derail themselves time after time. So hoping that we get a uh, relatively flag-free football game that has some moments of excitement in it. It seems like maybe a high bar for this one, which isn't great, but it is, I think, decent commentary on where the Bears are as a team, which is right down at the bottom of the league with, honestly, only the Lions underneath them now in my estimation, they're, they're a bad football team. It's a bad roster. It's banged up. They're not playing well. They're not maximizing their talent. They're not playing sort of above their level almost ever. They're certainly not out coaching anybody. So really I'm hoping for like, can we play a clean football game and have a few moments of excitement? I think that's my, that's the summary of the cap of the, my expectation. Well, when you look at the Lions, what's interesting about their season so far is that there's a couple games that got away from them. They, they, they probably should have a couple victories on the season this year. They've also been blown out a few times. They're not a very good team. Well, what does that sound like? The Bears have been th- blown out three times too, right? So, you know, I think there's a there's a tendency to think like, well, the Lions are garbage and, you know, the, the, they got no shot in this one. But I, I've been saying it for weeks. I'm worried. I'm worried about this team, That the fact that they're a cornered animal. They're playing a divisional opponent. They've already seen the Bears. You take away – a couple of the Bears' best players, certainly the most exciting young player in Justin Fields. You take away their best player in Khalil Mack, right? So you're, you're taking away some of their best pieces. Now, the Lions are banged up as well, but what about this from just a, like an on-paper standpoint? Do you see that the Lions could have an advantage here? It is possible. The Bears, again, have not played up to the talent they do have. And as you mentioned, a lot of their top talent, either not on the field or on the field, but recently banged up, which you always have to sort of wonder. Guys tend to want to rush back. They don't want to sit on the bench and lose their starting job, even in a real dumpster fire of a season. So a lot of pride. These guys put a ton of effort into their preparation. And you know, there's pride. They're putting out tape for whomever, right? If it's If they're under contract with the Bears, they're putting out tape for a prospective new head coach. If they're not under contract with the Bears, this is their resume as they go out into free agency. So guys are, the idea that guys are just shutting down and loafing and not playing hard. Some guys are, but the majority of guys in the NFL are going to play hard to the end of the whistle because they know that everybody has access to tape. The Lions have had some flashes. They too are banged up. They're going to be without their starting quarterback, as you man, as you mentioned. 
But their young defensive line is starting to flash a little bit. Levi Onwuzurike, who was one of their top picks in the interior defensive line, former UW Husky, real flashing three-tech type, had a couple of flash plays last weekend. Like He's starting to string some impact plays together. The Bears offensive line, uh, famously or infamously, has not played very well or very consistently this year. They've played decently in the run game occasionally. They didn't uh, last Sunday. Their pass protection has been spotty at best. Sometimes it looks decent, and whoever the quarterback is gets a little bit of time, and sometimes it folds instantly, and defenders are in the lap of whoever's taking the snap within about two seconds, and that's not a recipe for success. The Lions have some defenders, famously the two they drafted um, at the top of this last year's draft, and those guys can get home, and look, they're not playing superstars on the other side of the ball. They're going to have some opportunities against this Bears offensive line. And if you get in there and bang up Andy Dalton, um, Bears don't have much behind him either if Justin Fields is on the bench. So that's a way the Lions could get on top real early and fairly easily. Um, I hope that doesn't happen, but that's a sort of path to the Lions playing competitive football. And you're right. They have had a couple of games that were close. This is not all 30-point blowouts. They could manage, and who knows? We've seen it before with backup quarterbacks, even with the Lions. It wasn't Boyle, but backup quarterback comes in for the Lions, and they rallied. They played really well. Uh, we've seen it with the Washington football team. Taylor Heineke came in, and everybody's like, well, season's over. Ryan's Fitzpatrick went down. Taylor Heineke's led them to some sort of gutsy victories. So it's possible that he actually gives them a spark, even though lots of NFL fans like you didn't know his name before, maybe last week. Um, you never know. Uh, Dan Campbell head coach team seems like mm, they can kind of get fired up at a moment's notice. Maybe it's just the coffee, but this could be the week they catch fire. If they go up, you know, a, a fluky score early, say there's a, you know, strip sack fumble recovery for a touchdown and the lions put seven early points on the board the the bears are only scoring between 14 and 19 points pretty much every game seven points starts to look like a fairly insurmountable lead with this offense so if the lions get up early they are a very dangerous opponent which sounds like the weirdest thing to say about an 09 and one team but i <laughs> have to agree with you well it's more of that they're you know, these guys don't want to be winless, right? I mean, I was really hoping that they would beat the Steelers just so they would just kind of get it out of their system because this team isn't trying to be good. Like, this team is clearly trying – they stripped down the roster. They're they're tr- they're clearly trying to rebuild. But they're playing really hard. And when you continue to play hard this late in the year, even though you're bad, one of these times you're going to hit. Like, the Texans just beat the Titans, Right. Like this is not this is going around the league like the, the these bad teams, uh, the, the Jags beat the Bills. It was an ugly game. It was a, just a disgusting game to watch, but they beat them. Right. And so those are good teams. The, the Titans and the Bills are good teams. This is this is a different story that we're talking about here with the Bears because they're not a very good team. And, and so, I again, I have been worried about this. And when I when I watch the Lions, they're passing it. If Goff comes back, he's at least he's a bad quarterback, but he's at least like a a bad NFL starting quarterback, right? Whereas this this guy Boyle looks like he is just a bad reserve. But whatever. If 
Goff comes back, maybe I can kind of be a little bit worried that he'll find 22 and pick on him and, you know, move the ball that way. But really, I'm, I'm, I, I'm actually not seeing a great recipe for the Lions offense to move the ball that well with against this Bears defense, even though the Bears defense is depleted of a couple of their better players because they've really played the run well. And I think that's really what the Lions can do is they can run the ball with, with Swift. And it seems like the Bears have stepped up, even with with Mac missing. Um, but am, am I missing something there? Do, do you think that the Lions can have success on the ground against this Bears run defense? Uh, not probably regularly. You're right. Overall, they've found a way to stiffen, to not allow big, largely gashing gains on the ground. They've done it for stretches of games. Like, they've fallen off their run defense. Um has not been consistent the whole way through where they simply lock everybody down a little bit like New Orleans was doing before last week for the whole season where they just said, nope, you're not running on us. It hasn't been like that. So there are opportunities, and the tackling in their secondary has been suspect. So if somebody does get to the second or third level, um, there's a possibility there. We saw it a little bit on Sunday where the Bears allowed some early rushes right up the middle that the you know the running back didn't take contact for six or seven yards. Now, they buckled that down, and by, oh, late second quarter right before the half and, and in through the third quarter, you didn't see too many more of those. It wasn't time after time they were getting gashed. But early in the game, there were definitely some runs right between tackles where Guy went four or five yards before contact and then pulled for another two or three before he was tackled and got down. Am I super worried about that? No, because the run game is not really going to stack a ton of points uh, unless you're Indianapolis. Uh, And let's let's not mince words. The, The Colts and the Lions have very little in common. The Lions are not suddenly going to become a juggernaut running the ball. Um, The Lions have as many faults as the Bears do. It's all about it's going to come down to a few plays, which is what it comes down to between good teams. But this is two sort of evenly matched poor teams. It's still going to come down to a couple of bounces. Who gets the extra possession? Who gets the fluky interception? Who gets a strip sack and recovers deep in the enemy, you know, the enemy territory? That's the the game's still going to come down to those few plays. It's just, you know, both teams are probably going to try and fumble it away. We saw it with the Lions against the Steelers. Multiple chances to win that game. Couldn't get it done. Uh, we saw it with the Bears as, you know, late as last Sunday. They led that game with a minute 40 to go. Looked like they had that game probably won. And then defense collapsed. They let Baltimore go the length of the field. Score, and that's it. So they're going to have to try and limit their mistakes but both of these teams are very mistake prone yeah all right well let's uh let's talk about the bears but let's uh pause here real quick just to have the uh, sponsors buy us a beer and we'll be back on the other end of this Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. All right, AJ, let's flip it around and talk about the Bears. So the Bears are going to be starting the ginger-haired quarterback 
Andy Dalton instead of uh, Justin Fields because Fields, you know, quite frankly, is not a very good idea to rush a guy back out there after an injury. And we're talking about a short week. And so the backup becomes a starter again with Dalton. And, you know, Dalton, I don't know. I saw some stuff on Twitter. People were like, oh, Dalton played better. And if Dalton was playing all year, it's like Dalton completed less than half of his passes. Dalton was rushing throws, right? And people, oh, Fields needs to, you know, get quicker on his processor. He's holding the ball too long. Well, <laughs> Dalton was the opposite. He was getting the ball out way too quick. He wasn't letting things develop, and he was dirting balls. Like, I mean, it was it was not a pretty performance from him. He completed less than half of his passes against a less than good Ravens defense. So I don't really know what people are talking about, but whatever. But like you said earlier, we know what to expect from Andy Dalton. Andy Dalton is a guy, and he can run the offense with – some ability right like he's not he's not a dud but you know he's not a transcendent talent and particularly this stage in his career you know where he's at so Dalton you know he he did look like he at least uh had a little bit of a connection with Goodwin on that deep pass you know Mooney caught five of 16 targets I know that's between both quarterbacks that's not a very good mark so hopefully he can kind of improve that efficiency uh, but what do you expect out of Dalton here against a Lions defense? Like you said, they got uh, their defensive lines coming together, but their secondary. Yeah, middle zones are going to be where Dalton can go to work, and he does. He can throw between the hashes. He he came out and actually acted or played, I should say, a little bit differently than we saw him early in the season. Early in the season, he was captain check down. He was everything to the side and really nothing beyond about six or seven yards. Like, I think he had single-digit passes in in his starts beyond that. Like, it was all to the side and all short. He came out in relief on Sunday against the Ravens, and to me, he looked like... I posted a tweet that he looked like that basketball player, that three-point shooter that's just chucking him up from the time he gets in the game he's just whipping him up there he's not hitting a lot of them he's clanging him off the rim he's airballing he doesn't matter he just keeps pulling the trigger and then late in the game he hit one to goodwin but he looked really rusty i said he was the definition of rusty on the field because he was missing everybody he was missing behind um high and behind and he was missing the deeper balls over right just past the outstretched hands anywhere from six inches past to several feet past and he just looked really rusty. He was he was whipping the ball up, but he was throwing it down the field. And that was not something we saw in his earlier iteration. So it gives me a little bit of pause, um, you know, his sort of average depth of target. And I know why people think Dalton played well. It's because they're looking at the box score. They didn't watch the game. And they go, he put up 200 yards and a half. Like, yeah, it's way better. Well, the, f- <laughs> the first 60 yards in the touchdown was a literal two-yard throw. It's a you know bubble screen to a wide receiver. It's a two yard throw. Mooney makes some great plays, makes a couple of guys miss, goes sixty yards. It looks like Dalton in two throws has sixty yards and a touchdown. When what he did was throw a screen reasonably well, and I understand that. And then he just missed and missed and missed and missed down the field. He finally hits that late looper to Goodwin down the right sideline, and who knows? 
maybe with a week, well, not a week, short week, <laughs> few reps with the starters, he sort of dials it back in. He doesn't miss as many of those balls. And if that's the case, he has a good chance to tear the Lions up because they are not a top quality pass defense right now, even if the defensive line is starting to show some flashes. Overall, this team is not matching the rush with the coverage, which is what you want to do. They're, they've had a lot of breakdowns in the secondary. Dalton's going to have a lot of opportunities. And look, their linebackers aren't great either. So he can hit those middle crossing routes. And if the staff is smart enough to scheme them up, now, that's a thing. <laughs> they probably aren't. But if they are smart enough to scheme up some levels stuff where you run one wide receiver out in front of the other and make that middle defender, usually a dropping linebacker, choose like, hey, which guy am I going with? The first guy or the second guy? And it's almost like an RPO, but it's like a PPO. It's like a pass-pass option, right? Dalton's read is, where's that linebacker going? And I'm going to throw it to the guy that's therefore single covered. They did that once um, with Fields uh, on Sunday. It looked really good. He threw to the back guy. The first guy cleared everybody out. He threw to the back guy. That was the longer of his completions to Goodwin on the deep in. But those passes are going to be available. The Lions are not super strong there. And if Dalton is even a little bit more consistent, he has a chance to look really good because the opponent is really not that great. Yeah, this is the worst thing about missing fields here is that this was an opportunity for him to rack up some cheap stats. That's really what it is. And to be quite honest with you, it would be nice if he could do that because his stats are not that great. And that's going to shape a lot of offseason narrative because that's what people do is they look at the box score and they're like, yeah, the stats are terrible, right? And so it's unfortunate that he's going to miss this. I want to talk about David Montgomery, though, because it looked like Montgomery – could have had a big game against the Ravens and just did not get the carries. The Bears just did not. They kind of reverted back to that um, old Matt Nagy offense where you know they can't stay on the field, and even when the running game's working, they're not using it. But Montgomery looked pretty good. Do you think that you, you mentioned the Lions' you know defensive line being a strength of theirs? This is still a team that can run the ball pretty well, even against good defensive lines. So to me, it seems like they're going to want to try to get Montgomery involved early and often in this one because he should be fresh because he didn't really carry the ball that much on Sunday. Yeah, he didn't look great to me either. He looked a little bit rusty. He ran hard. He always runs hard. He didn't seem to have that sort of pop or explosion. And to be fair, he didn't have the holes that this line has produced uh, even against quality opponents. Week one against the Rams, this line tore open big holes uh, in the Rams defensive line. We've seen it with some very, we saw it with Khalil Herbert. He had some really good opportunities against, you know, against Tampa Bay. Strong rushing defense. They had 124 yards. Like, this is a unit that's capable of running the ball, but they didn't look like it on Sunday. They didn't, there were a lot of runs that just sort of weren't going anywhere. There was no real opening. It's not Montgomery's fault. Just the whole, you know, rushing offense is, just like passing offense, is everybody playing together. However, I'm with you. I think this team needs to rely on the run to get good, right? The pass for them has been really inconsistent. It's not a way for them to sustain drives, and they have looked good intermittently rushing the ball. They have looked powerful. They've looked like they can overwhelm people. And I honestly think it's a strength of more of their players on the offensive line to run block than it is to pass block. Guys like Larry Borm at this point is inconsistent pass blocking. He's a big, big 
bruising offensive lineman who, when you let him get his pads into somebody, is going to light up and soar the rest of the guys. And if they start to tear some of those cracks open, and I would hope that it's a balance between Montgomery and Herbert, because we've seen that Khalil Herbert, given the opportunity, is very productive and efficient and can rip off some big gains. Keep both of those guys fresh, rotate them through. Don't go with the sort of lead back or workhorse back model. Just, I don't care how you want to rotate them, rotate them, give them both some chances and let that line sort of put its pads down and say, we're going to, we're going to try and run on these guys until we start getting one or two yards of carry. And then we might revert, but we are going to, we're going to bear down. We're going to try and bury these guys early. And if they do that, they could get on a roll and they could kind of roll over the lines with a what I'll call a low degree of difficulty, right? Handoffs are a lot less difficult than even four to six yard speed outs, right? A lot less potential for bad stuff to happen. And if they can do that, cool. Like that is base NFL football and it will give them confidence and they may start to go on a roll. If they go away from the run and they run it a total of, you know, 10 times in the game and they throw the other whatever it is, 45, 55 downs they have, we're probably going to see a result that maybe they win the game, but it really comes down to whether or not, again, Dalton's dialed in that connection and the receivers are getting some separation, catching balls, all the things that haven't been happening on the passing side. Yeah, Montgomery went for 58 on 14 carries on Sunday. I mean, if that's not numbers that blow you away, but it's over four yards a carry. I mean, I thought he looked pretty good, um, but, you know, maybe not fully back from, from where he's at. But no carries for Herbert or one carry for Herbert or whatever it was. I mean, he was barely in the game plan. And, and so even if Montgomery doesn't get 25 carries, I'm not asking for that necessarily, there needs to be 25 carries from running backs in this game, right? Like that that's... It's just not enough carries. The Bears just got destroyed in time of possession on that game. And we say, well, time of possession. Well, what happened to the defense on that last drive? Well, you know, the pass rush did not get home on that last drive. And yes, Kendall Vildor had a bad game because, you know, he's he's outmatched. And he blew coverage and, and that, that sort of thing happens. But when you're out on the field, when your defense is out on the field that long, these pass rushers that are getting home all day, eventually they get gassed. And so the the way to combat that is to try to hold on to the ball a little longer, which is to run the ball and move the sticks. So, you know, that all plays together. And, you know, that that's part of why this team has never really looked in sync at all. But let's talk about the defense real quick because Max gone, Quinn stepping up and playing incredibly well. He's at 10 sacks on the year. He's got another rookie quarterback, or is he a rookie? I'm sorry, like I just never heard of this guy. Is he? He's just a young guy. Like, what's his deal? He's he's a young guy. Um, it, not a guy with a ton of experience. So a guy that a a guy like Robert Quinn should be able to take advantage of, uh, because again, the Lions line is young, and they've invested a lot in it. They haven't played. At times, they've played very well and kept their team in the game, but they've also had that lack of consistency. And look, Robert Quinn has the look of a guy right now that can absolutely take advantage of the chances that the Lions line is going to give him. They're not going to be perfect. It reminds me a little bit of playing a quarterback that the defense says, oh, he's going to give you some chances, right? He's going to throw you some balls. You got to catch them. And I feel that way about the Lions offensive line. They're going to give you some openings. They're going to give you some one-on-ones where the tackle oversets. And Quinn's got the tools to put that home right now he's playing as he's the best bears defender bar none right now 
You think he's better than uh, Roquan Smith? Uh, I would say he and Roquan are playing at a very, very similar level because Roquan played at a really high level on Sunday too. Yeah, I mean, it's it's great because obviously he signed to that huge contract, and I know this game this this year is kind of meaningless at this point, but it's nice to watch Bears players do well. And Quinn has been a good player in this league for a long time, and so it's it's exciting to see what he can do. And so you know now I'm kind of cheering for Robert Quinn to kind of see where those sack numbers go, and it would be nice to see if he can kind of get those up into a level that. Quite frankly, you know, we haven't necessarily seen on this team in a while, right? Like, let's see, can he get to 15 sacks? Can he get to 17 sacks, right? I mean, it, th- those are kind of fun things to follow. He's definitely going to have his second best year as a, as a pro in terms of sack numbers. And, and this late in his career, that's really impressive. And maybe he can c- continue to keep that going because he's likely on this roster next year. So those are exciting things. I think Roquan's ascension is really exciting stuff to keep watching. I think, you know, he had 17 tackles yeah. last week. I mean, that's crazy, Obscene right? So numbers. like so like let's see if he can you know, can he top Erlacher's career uh, you know, career high season high, right? Can he top Lance Briggs's career season high? You know, there there are records you know, the record uh, for tackles is 189. It's kind of a ridiculous number. It's by a random player. So you know, maybe that's not possible, but can he top some of these like all-time great bears that you know in recent memory that have really high tackle numbers? That's kind of exciting too. And you know, he's all over the place. Maybe he can get rewarded. Romo was you know loving him up, up and down the field on Sunday. And if he can show out in these these national primetime games over the next month, maybe his profile you know increases. And that that's great. I want to see that. You know, can Jalen Johnson continue to play well, right? So there are some pieces on this team that even if this game isn't very excited, I'm excited for those players. I'm excited to watch those guys play whoever. I don't care if it's the Lions. I don't care if it's Kyler Murray and the the Cardinals in the week following, right? I want to watch good players play football. I want to watch ascending players get better. I want to watch Travis Gibson and see where he goes, right? I want to see Kyrus Tonga, right? I want to see these guys and how they're doing because they're going to be part of this team in the future. Yeah, totally agree. The Bears have one guy at each level on defense right now. Robert Quinn is the guy on the defensive line. I know he's officially a linebacker, but he's a pass rusher. He's playing on the defensive line. Roquan, obviously the guy at the linebacking level to watch. And then Jalen Johnson has been quietly excellent. He is still excellent. He's not surrounded by a lot of talent, but whoever he is on is having a rough day every Sunday. And that's awesome. The couple of other guys you mentioned are young guys, right? Now Travis Gibson's getting reps because Max out. And he had a couple of nice plays on Sunday. He kind of had a couple of nice hustle plays, chased down a ball carry from behind, behind a line. Like he is benefiting from teams pretty much keying up on Hicks when he's in there and trying to double Quinn because they know he's the primary sack threat. That means Gibson's going to get one-on-ones and you want to see what he does with those. Kyrus Tong is another guy that is playing really well in the middle, stacking things up. He's not getting a ton of downs, but that's probably okay. He needs to be rotated and kept fresh because he's playing a power position. Probably going to see him early. You saw him early in the game against the Ravens. You're going to see him early in a game against the Lions trying to shut down the run and make them go, quote-unquote, to their left hand, make them try and throw to that depleted wide receiver core with a new quarterback. That's really how you're going to try and force the Lions into beating you. You're almost going to dare them into that. Like, hey, we're going to put 
eight, maybe even nine guys in the box. You're not going to run the ball. Now we want to see you throw it. And we want to see you throw it kind of deep. We don't, we're not talking about two yard speed outs. We want you to go deep down the seams and see if you can complete the ball. Maybe they can, maybe they can't, but that's a, that's definitely a riskier proposition for a team like the Lions. So I would see, you know, Tonga and Gibson playing big roles on Sunday. There aren't, unfortunately too many other people to watch like at the linebacking level and say oh there's a developing young player because pace hasn't stacked those or really even they're out there in the secondary it's the same thing right you're really looking at jalen johnson and hoping he stays healthy duke shelley's dinged up so you know maybe uh, we see some of the other guys coming in trying to get some of those reps and they're gonna have to uh if shelley's hamstring won't cooperate but there's nobody that um I'm really super excited to say, oh, you know, this this guy's getting reps. He's he's been due. Like, let's get him on the field and see his reps. Right now, it's like, oh, please hold up, <laughs> please don't get your name called out a lot, um, you know. And if somebody flashes, great, awesome. But really, those are your three key guys on the Bears defense, one at each level, which is kind of nice, and then a couple of young guys up front to sort of, hey, what are they doing with the reps they get? Uh, the rest of the defense, you're just really kind of putting your blinders on and saying, oh, please don't get burned. <laughs> well that's kind of the preview i want to talk about thanksgiving because growing up thanksgiving was always my favorite holiday and i don't think as an adult that's changed it's a little different how i approach the holiday and it's been nice over the years that they've extended the number of games right I used to have the two it used to always be the lions would play and the cowboys would play and then they added that third game. So now it's like a full day of football. I mean, it's a lot of fun. You get the full day of football on Thanksgiving. You get the full day of football on Sunday for Thanksgiving. If you're into college, I'm sure there's college games all day too. But I'm not. But you get two of those full days where you get to watch three games straight. That's a lot of fun to me. So I like that. I like the food. I'm not going to lie. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a person who has enjoyed more than his share of, of food over the years. And this is a holiday where it's not only accepted, but encouraged to eat more food than you probably should. And so I wanted to ask you, EJ, what is the thing at Thanksgiving that you just need to have for you to feel like, yep, there it was. That was a good holiday. Oh, geez. I, I think there's so many things. Growing up was the same for me. Thanksgiving was a huge family holiday uh all my dad's side of the family in buffalo usually came down to our house we lived in a small town in upstate new york and it was kind of the oh man it was the relative takeover right people would be sleeping like cordwood in sleeping bags and you know huge kids table and you know snowball fights or leaf raking or whatever the conditions were at the time and it was a good two or three days to just kind of mash with that family my cousins still talk about that you know we're all <laughs> well on in our lives with our own families and they still say man those those sort of country thanksgivings uh, when we were kids, there there were the ones, man. It was all the high drinks and late night card games and and you know pranks on aunts and uncles and just the smell of food permeating through the house. Thanksgiving was always a central holiday to me. That and that I don't know. I take a little bit of offense that Thanksgiving's kind of become a speed bump between Halloween and and Christmas now, um, and it has changed for me. We don't we don't have the huge family celebrations anymore. Um, but I I guess there isn't one thing. The, my favorite thing about Thanksgiving that hasn't changed is 
sort of standing back a little bit from the fray. And when I was a kid, it was like I would hang out on the staircase, right? And I could look down into the living room and there would be like 15 or 20 people like talking and laughing and toasting and and just that sort of din, that holiday, like you just don't get that sound very often of a bunch of people in your house, like having a good time and all at the same time in very different ways. And that sound for me became really a thing as I got older and we did have big Thanksgivings, it would be, it would be at weird times. Like I would be, you know, you have to take the garbage out during Thanksgiving. Cause there's a lot of, you know, you're just creating more waste. Right. And, and I would go outside and we leave the windows open. Cause of course you're steaming potatoes and cook a Turkey and it gets really warm in the house with 15, 20 people in there. And I would stand outside the open window just for a minute before I put the trash in the can and just listen to people laugh and have a good time in my house and that is that's the thing like more than a food or a drink or a dessert or anything else it's that coming together and really just enjoying each other's company um so that's probably the thing for me that makes it feel the most like thanksgiving don't get it every year but when i do i really treasure it you know it's interesting you say that because growing up like my both sides of my family were in the same town right so that no one moved away and we would start off with with my dad's side of the family, who are very much more of a quieter, conservative type, you know, people that kind of talk soft and kind of keep to themselves. And, you know, so you'd have the lunch over there and, you know, the conversation's low, right? And I'm always trying to, like, find a way to a TV, you know, even as, like, you know, I mean, if you think I'm football obsessed now, you should have met me when I was a kid, Ooh. right? Like, I couldn't get enough of it. I was I was just you know that's all i could care about right and and so you have this like quietness that like starts to build a little bit you go home you kind of recover you grab the second set of whatever the you know the side the dishes, dishes that, yes. that mom made right yep. and you take it over to mom's side of the family and that side of the family you know it's uh it's scotch irish right <laughs> you know and, like things are flowing and yeah. you know and throughout the night the volume just keeps going up and up and up and people are yelling over each other and and so that auditory element of the holidays is always fascinating for me to kind of listen back to because it's just this like all rise throughout the day right and then at some point it just people just take off and it just dies but yeah those those uh those holidays at my grandparents you know they had this uh old home that would have been where they lost it in the 2008 flood mm -hmm. um but it would have been you know 120 130 year old home if it was still around today and it had one of those big stairways one of those old old homes with that and um yeah i remember that you know walking up there and you'd always try to like hit the you know reach up and hit the top and you know try to measure how tall you are and huh. stuff like that and there's a lot of those old you know just memories that you think about from auditory and the smells you know my my grandma was great at cooking mexican food she made made her own mexican food with her own oh, hot sauce man, that's awesome and her hot sauce her hot sauce could only be consumed by like three people her me <laughs> and maybe one other person right it was brave enough to do it so it was always like my own little personal pot with her of uh of really hot hot sauce so you know just a lot of memories like that and and uh yeah that that's that's great for food wise for me like um i'm, I'm just like a i just love mashed potatoes and gravy and a little protein right like that's really all i need mom's uh mom's deviled eggs oh yeah um, I forgot about that. you know th those those are the best uh mother-in-law makes a great chocolate uh pecan yeah. pie i mentioned it on the other podcast too those are the things that i look forward to these days 
Um, but you know, generally like kind of that mashed potato, protein, gravy, whatever, I'll get a vegetable and that's pretty much it. And then I want a piece of pie. That that's kind of where I'm at these days. All right. Well, we're going to have a little bit of fun with the speed round. We're going to ask each other some questions about, uh, Thanksgiving themed things. So this is our speed round Thanksgiving edition as we don't have a guest this week. And, uh, I'm going to start off with now for, for those of you that aren't familiar with bears of a beer speed round is, you know, short answers, fun, uh, we're just going to keep it pretty light. I'm going to start off with what's the weirdest dish you've ever encountered at a Thanksgiving? Mm. Weirdest dish. You know, I what's coming to mind is this like uh, gel, like green jello, you know, kind of fluff <laughs> stuff. It wasn't like a green jello mold, but it was like, like it must have had dairy in it too. Yep. And like even the... Even the thought of it makes me kind of sick right now, right? <laughs> like, like, yep. Like no, I know exactly what you're talking about. I do not like that. <laughs> no, it's not great. Uh, for me, on my side, it would be uh, there is a great uh, family. Uh, well, it's not a myth. Uh, it's just a great family story. Um, it be it became known as Orange Death which, you know, on a Bears Themes podcast seemed great. Uh, my uncle was in a phase where he was, uh, he's a very good cook, but he was trying things far afield. And he basically made a sort of puree whip that had like carrot and parsnip and a bunch of other stuff. And it was this strange consistency where it was not quite mashed potato. It was a little thinner than that, but it was a little thicker than soup. And it was just, it didn't quite, happen right and he it was one of those like a joke you're trying to explain right and uh my family also irish uh so not short with criticism uh and it became nice try but you didn't quite hit it and forever known after that as orange death because it was kind of kind of neither here nor there and and the flavor wasn't amazing so orange orange death was is still a family uh touchstone nice what would you say your role is in the family get-togethers? Ooh, I was thinking role, and I'm like, ooh, roles. I love roles. And then I'm like, mm, oh, no, no, no. R-O-L-E. Uh, my role, it's changed. Uh, originally, it was the kid that would finish everything at the kids' table. I loved to eat when I was at the kids' table and would eat plate after plate after plate because I just had a crazy metabolism when I was a kid. Uh, and just general troublemaker. That was me. It was me and my cousin, my, uh, oldest male cousin would run around and like hang star Wars figures from string and drop them down between the staircase behind my aunt's head and then say something. So she'd turn around and freak out. Like that was my role is just general sort of like pre home alone mischief maker, uh, was my role as, uh, as a little kid, as a like college age guy that didn't always get to go home i was sort of the convener i was always the person that would pull people together like hey you're gonna be around you don't have family like come to our place uh and we had some great thanksgivings that way it was always more the merrier and who's welcome and so it was just pulling people together and they're like i don't know how to cook and it's like fine what do you what do you want to do like bring something bring a pie bring beer bring whatever you can like we might just have pie and beer but oh that's okay it's for college kids who cares um so and then as i got older um, I'd always had a lot of jobs in kitchens. And so I started to cook, I cooked turkeys and then lots of different sides. And I always like to do something that's a little bit different that I just don't do because you have more time on Thanksgiving and I don't, I don't devote as much time to food prep as I would like to. So I don't mind 
doing a recipe that takes two and a half or three hours on Thanksgiving because I have it and I'll put some music on and, you know, try some roasted vegetable medley with some special glaze or something. That's sort of where I went and uh, sort of the 10 year ago period. And now it's just whatever, right? I, I'm just sort of the glue guy. You need beverages. I got it. You need desserts. I got it. You need me to just sit back and eat. I got it. You need me to drive. I can do that too. Yeah. I think Aaron, Aaron guy is the, that's the rule it, because you get breaks, which I'm into, <laughs> right? Like you got to kind of step away from the madness. So true. And, so true. And, and then Underrated like you get points. Like you go out and you yes. do chores, you know, and for me, it's like, yeah, run to the store. Like, you know, people don't like to do that. I'm like, yeah, I'd love to do that. Let's go. Let's do it. Yeah, I got yeah. it. Let's go. Uh, I'll take the fresh air. Yeah, that's, but that, nice. that's kind of, that's the role that I like to sit in. Or I'm the guy that sits in the corner and watches the football game because, you know, it's Thanksgiving. There's football on. So, you know, generally I'm going to be by the TV if I'm there or I'm going to run an errand. But, yeah, what's your next one? Uh, I was going to say favorite dessert, but that's mostly just for people that haven't listened to you before, because you have a, you have a go-to favorite dessert. There is one and it holds the preeminent spot and there is no like, oh, this or that. Yeah. I mean, since I got introduced to that pie, it's pretty great. But I mean, if, you know, I like Thanksgiving because you get to eat pie and and, and that's, that's kind of cool. I'm not a huge guy that's into cake. I mean, sometimes cake's fine, but like. You know, I would rather have a piece of pie, and thanks. That's what Thanksgiving's all about—is pie. So, like, I'm I'm into a piece of pie, for sure. Like that—that's what I'm going to have on Thanksgiving. If it's not that special pie, I'll have pumpkin pie. Like, right? I mean, I'm not I'm not against that, but I want a piece of pie. And I think that might be why you and I get along is because we're both like pie guys and thanksgiving is central to pie thanksgiving yes you can have a cake yes you can have some kind of homemade ice cream you can have some i've been to families where they had some kind of handmade swiss roll german like great that's that's all cool like it's good like all dessert is good but thanksgiving in my mind pie and pie early pie often and the biggest thing is pie for breakfast right (laughs) that is a snyder family tradition is like waking up the next day and there's not a question of what you're having for breakfast you're having a piece of pie but what kind is the only question because we would have multiple pies and we would have uh my mom always made a great apple there would always be a pumpkin from somebody or a pumpkin chiffon if that was some something for somebody there would be uh mincemeat pies there'd be berry pies there would always be a bunch of pies um usually with handmade crusts because it was like some odd competition within my family but that didn't (laughs) matter to me as a kid because you would literally open up the fridge or the second fridge the one that was out in the garage right and you would have like five pies covered in wax paper and as a kid the day after thanksgiving that was the best thing ever my mom would always make uh handmade whipped cream because we lived in a dairy town and she would take the cream off the milk after it sat on the back porch right and whip it with a little bit of sugar or vanilla or both and there was always a little you know bowl of handmade whipped cream and you could put it on whatever pie you wanted and have it for breakfast and it was like license nobody looked at you funny as a you know six or eight year old kid with like a huge slice of apple pie and a mound of whipped cream on it. And everybody's like, yep, that's acceptable. <laughs> like, And that alone made it the best holiday ever. So like Thanksgiving, like I believe you're right. The pie is just central to Thanksgiving. It doesn't really matter what kind. And just 
as as a visual aid, even though we're not doing this as a video podcast, I I brought pie because we started early and we got an apple pie. Uh, this is not a handmade pie. This is a Trader Joe's pie, and it's not just apple. It is like apple, uh, brown sugar, and maple. And it has been sitting here for the entire podcast, just sort of like wafting up at my nose and tempting me. So I'm just going to take a bite of it because I'm tired of waiting, quite frankly. Um, (laughs) And I'm and I'm old enough that I don't have to anymore. That's the greatest thing. I don't have to ask anybody if I can take a bite of pie. I can just take a bite of pie. Yeah, that sounds awesome. I do not have a piece of pie, but now I feel jealous and wish I did have a piece of pie. Because this is delicious. I'll bet. So I have one more question, and that is on Thanksgiving and probably on any other holiday, but like Thanksgiving specifically, football is not on or, you know, you've moved on. What are the games that you play? Oh, are they question. outside or is it board games or like what are the games that your guys are playing? Yeah. So when I was, again, when I was little, we would go outside whenever we could. And a lot of times there was snow at Thanksgiving in upstate New York when I was a kid. Um, so we would have snowball fights, build snow forts, whatever. If it was dry, which was rare, um, we would make big leaf mazes. We would take the rakes and we would rake out these entire big, because we had maple trees. So we had all these leaves and we would rake out like a leaf mazes. And then we basically kind of like play tag in the leaf maze. You had to run inside the lines. And, you know, eventually it just turned into like free tackle <laughs> in the leaf pile like all all rules were lost um if we couldn't go outside because it was really nasty or really cold um there were a lot of card games um adults play different card games we play things like gin rummy um we're like a super big puzzle family we occasionally play board games like sorry or trouble or mousetrap the kind of classic like late 70s early 80s board games but um more would be like cards like somebody would break out cards around a you know a little card table and somebody would play something it weren't weren't for the most part betting games um occasionally late at night you know the jameson come out and people would play (laughs) play card games for for thumbtacks or whatever but um no it was more uh like yeah gin rummy we weren't a big pinochle family but um you know, or Canasta. I know there's families that played Pinochle and Canasta. That wasn't really us. We played simpler stuff. Like, we play Hearts occasionally, um, but more like Gin Rummy and stuff like that. Kids would be like Go Fish and whatever, but cards for the most part. Yeah, my grandpa taught me how to play poker. My grandma taught me how to play Rummy. And my uncle taught me how to play chess. And oh, so, set. a lot of that, a lot of that, and you know, I was gonna say, any blackout in the Midwest, you are set for days. Yeah, my uncle got into chess, and you know, being a smart kid, you know, he kind of, um, I knew how to move the pieces, and he kind of, you know, would challenge me, and it just kind of became an annual tradition where I'd play him. And, um, I, you know, I got the better of him more than I think he would want to admit, and you know, that would always kind of irritate him, but it was always fun. They were always like fun games. And I take, I, I mean, I'm the slowest chess player cause I'm just, you know, I don't play very often. And so I would, I would just, you know, I can totally see that about you just because of the way you approached the mock drafts that we've done in mm. the past. I cannot imagine you as like a speed round chess. Oh player. no, speed chess. I'd be terrible. Um, but I, I take a long time and, you know, and, and, you know, a lot of times I'd, I'd get the better of them, but yeah, a lot of, a lot of fun with, uh, you know, I, I love poker too. Like poker's a, a great thing. My grandpa taught me how to, you know, the basics of poker. He didn't teach me hold them, right? Like you know, that wasn't a thing back then, but you know, five card draw, 
Draw, seven cards, sure. shed, like those kind of things. Like he taught me all of those games. And what did you play for? When you oh, played poker when you were a kid, what did you play for? He always had a big jar of, you know, change and pennies and we you know, we okay. we'd use that. So um we always played for we always played for weird stuff because we very rarely had change. Like hmm. the most the uh, when I learned how to play poker, I was in Boy Scouts and we'd be at like campouts at like cabins and stuff. And so it wasn't like he had change or money or whatever. But we would always find stuff and we would play for like matches, right? Or whatever was small and available. I mean, I remember playing for matches. I remember playing for um, uh, we were at a fishing cabin one time and we played for like uh, bobbers and sinkers, right? Guy mm. had a whole like chest full of like, and we just divided them up and the big ones were 10 and the small ones were ah, five. That's fun. And, yeah. I mean, we just played for whatever like small right. thing we could get. Um, so it was always funny. It's like, what'd you play poker for? Because we very, you know, we very rarely played for money. So uh, good times. But Thanksgiving in general, I think is really about coming together and and my favorite thanksgiving tradition in my family is that we typically gather in the kitchen as the it was typically when the turkey was being stuffed we don't always do that anymore but we've kept the tradition going where we get everybody who's at the house whoever it is um in the kitchen with a glass of whatever and kids get sparkling cider and you know adults get whatever they want and we go around one by one and we just say what we're thankful for and that's it it's super simple um, but it can be really moving to look back on the last year and say, hey, this has been a really good thing. Like, you know, even in the last couple of years, which have been very hard for a lot of people to say, yeah, they were really hard, but I'm really thankful for, you know, the ability to do this or this house or this family or this job or this opportunity to go do a thing or a friendship with somebody really special. Um, and it becomes one of those things that is really like the core of the holiday. So that's my favorite, like, Thanksgiving deal. Uh, I mean, growing up, it was to, you know, see which uncle was going to puke first from uh, drinking too much alcohol. But I like your your sentiment a little better. And just to kind of. Well, I didn't say what happened later. That's what happened earlier. <laughs> you, know, uh, you know, the Scottish, Scottish, Scottish Irish stuff. So this is our third year of the podcast. We've had a really good time of bringing this to you. Obviously, the Bears season's over. <laughs> this is not going to go anywhere. Um, but there's still some stuff to learn from. Uh, if you're going to stick with us, we appreciate that because, you know, we really enjoy doing this, even though the Bears aren't very good, because there's always something to learn. There's always something to talk about. And obviously, there would be no podcast if you guys weren't here. <laughs> this is, uh, you know, you guys are why we do this. And we love the interaction on the website. We love the interaction on Twitter. Um, you know, we love hearing from you. All of that stuff makes it all worth it. Uh, being able to, you know, for for example, uh, you know, connecting with Chad, who sent me that amazing bottle of bourbon, right? Like, what in the world? Like, how cool is that, right? And, you know, we've had multiple people over the years send us beers. Um, but even just, like, sending a note or, you know, interacting with a tweet and saying, you know, hey, really enjoyed the podcast that, this week. That means a lot to us. And and that that's a really big deal to me because this is a lot of fun. I've been obsessed with football my whole life. Like, football has been one of the biggest passions of my life, if not the biggest passion. When I wasn't able to play anymore, I found other ways to be involved, and that involved writing and now talking about football. And I love it, and I hope that I can bring that love to other people that enjoy it as well, and we can share that experience. So that's what I'm thankful for. EJ, what about you? I've got something special for you. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I didn't I didn't know I had it for you, and now I do. Uh just exactly what you talked about the fact that we are thankful for the people that interact with us that listen to us the folks that make this a thing um 
and I got a message from one of them this week, and it's it's worth reading. Um, so this is a message that came in over uh, Patreon. We're on Patreon now, so if you want to be a patron, go to patreon.com, uh, search Bears Over Beers, and you'll find us there. But um, this is from a guy named Uzer, and it simply says this, buzzing to support the podcast. Thanks for helping to teach a Pakistani lad about the game. Uh, between this, the film room, Bears Over Beers, uh, you've become a massive part of my NFL fandom. And, you know, I, I don't know where Azir lives, uh, but it doesn't really matter, right? It's somebody that reached out from around the world that found one of these brands and started to listen to the others and has grown his love of the game or started to grow his love of the game based off of Things that we say, things that we share, things that we put out in the world. That's that's really cool. Like that makes uh, long nights, late nights, um, long weeks, uh, things that go well, things that go poorly, all worthwhile, right? Somebody reaches out and says, I'm understanding football more because of things that you do. Like that's freaking cool. Yeah, 100%. And just to your point, this is my second podcast of the day. This is a 15 hour work day for me. So, um, but we love it and, and it's, and it's great and stuff like that just will fuel us and keep us going. Um, and so appreciate all of you that have done that and, you know, stick with us the rest of the year. We'll have some fun. There will be some fun stuff to talk about and Justin Fields will get healthy. We'll get some more starts out of him and we'll learn some stuff. So that's it for this week, man. Like you got anything else you want to talk about? No, that's it. Enjoy your version of Thanksgiving, whatever it is, food, friends, family, football, in any, all of the above order. Uh, take it in. Take a second to go outside, chill, have a have a beer in your hand, and, and say that you're thankful for something. And we will come back and talk to you next week. Hopefully have some good things to talk about coming out of a game against uh, a very winless Lions team. And uh, even if not, like JB said, Hang out. We'll have fun for the rest of the year. So until then, happy Thanksgiving and bear down. <laughs>